Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Pei Beis. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Peretz Ben Yisrael, Vili Ben Vili, Shoshana Pesa Bas Yoel, and Shmuel Ben Shlomo Levi. May the Neshamas have an aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Okay, we're going to go from the sixth, seventh last line on Pei Aleph Amor Beis, 81a. Um, the Gemara, remember we, we discussed yesterday the ten conditions that Joshua d- um, divided the land amongst B'nai Israel, And we discussed them. So now the Gemara asks, but two Leica, are there no more than ten? Uh, you said there are just ten. I'm going to give you a few examples that's, uh, that, that, he sh- that should be added to the list. It says, There is... Um, what about what Rabbi Yehuda taught? The Tanya Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Yehuda says, "B'shas hotzaz volim." When a person is clearing out their dung, Adam moitzi ziblo lirshus harabim, but soivra kol shloshim yom. A person should take out his zevil into the rishus harabim. He he can take out his zevil uh, into the rishus harabim, but soivra kol shloshim yom kadeshe inishuf beragle Adam beragle behema and leave it piled up there for thirty days so that it gets uh, crushed. By the feet of uh, people and animals, and then it turns into fertilizer. It says, because it's one of the conditions that Yeshua gave the land to Bnei Israel. So that's an additional one. This that you're allowed to leave your dung piled up in the Rishus Rabbim for people and animals to to uh, walk over shouldn't be in your rights. I guess because it interferes with the public. But um, here we see that it is allowed. says, oh, but what about... And, and another one, you said there are only 10. Well, now we're giving you 11, and I'll give you a 12th. It's a condition of Beisdin. A person can go into his friend's field and pick a branch of his friend's field. To save his uh, bees, or his bees have, and he just pays back the, the, the branch that he took from his friend. I, again, if so, you have a, what's it, a beekeeper and a whole lot of bees go and start making a half on his neighbor's tree, now the bees are worth more than the branch. So he's allowed to break off the branch to take his bees back. You know, if he starts trying to pull them off the branch, he's going to lose a whole lot. So he breaks them off and takes the branch back, and he just reimburses the farm of the, the, the person whose tree he broke for the lesser amount. And that's the next, he says another one, it's a similar, similar calculation where it's, you can, you can, I don't know, you can damage or insist on your friends, for your friend sacrificing some of his property for you to save yourself from a greater loss. Again, as long as you reimburse them. But tonight, based in who? That this one can pour out his wine and save the, his friend's honey. And then he gets paid back for the value of his wine from his friend's honey. Honey's worth much more than wine. And therefore, you see the honey jar leaking. You pour out your wine and you let you collect the honey in the wine jar and he has to pay. There's an interesting discussion later. Oh, Tosos um, discusses at length because later on 
Um, it's going to be a discussion by if you, well, firstly, when's the honey hefker? If, it's, if you have honey pouring out and the guy can't do anything about it, isn't, doesn't the honey become hefker? Yeah. And um, that's the one question. Another issue they deal with later on, it seems that if you pour out your wine to save your friend's honey, you can't insist that he pays you back for that. You pour out the wine, so you have to... Reimburse him for the wine. So all he has, no, all he has to reimburse you for is the barrel that you've given him. But this that you poured out to your wine is your problem. So you're going to have to deal with, the, I think simply here it might be on his, uh, his request. He's like, please do this for me. Ah, oh, then uh, you can. But to just go ahead and uh, do it might not be okay. But we'll have to, maybe we'll go into it more when we get to that sugya. In the, it's in the last parak. Um, but tonight, based in who another condition of based in, she has them a farikas eight of a toin pishtona shel chavera. The noise and my eight of mito pishtona shel chavera. A person must unload his wood and read and load up his friend's pishton and get paid for the value of the wood. Um, through the pishton. Because in this way, Yehoshua bequeathed the land. This is a condition that Yehoshua bequeathed the land to Bnei Israel. Um, comes out. Comes out that... Uh, Sorry, I've got a lot going on there, so I'm just a bit distracted. Um, this case is, again, a similar case to the you, you two people fighting over the Uber. Who gets to what? The Uber delivery to take their wood or their pishton. The one must sacrifice his wood for the pishton because the pishton is more valuable. And um, so all of these are that similar theory. You sacrificing your item for your friend's more valuable item and you get paid through his item. But um, these are all conditions you're sure made because generally you can't insist on someone sacrificing their property for your property, even if you're going to lose a lot. So the Gemara answers, so, so these are all, why did, he say, why did the prices say there were only 10? Here we have another list. So, or you can say two more maybe, um, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yochanan ben Broika. Rabbi, Rabbi Yishmol, but no, sure, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broika. So he says, These are individuals to know him, and therefore we don't, we're not bringing them. We, he only brought the price, he was only teaching ones that were generally accepted. But wait, when Rabbi came, he said, In the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Whether you have a tree whose branches are leaning into his friend's field, or you have a tree um, or you have a, or, or the trees plant, planted near to the boundary. Now the issue with this is that your tree is now drawing nutrients from your friend's field. So in a way your trees feel. And we're going to say maybe Bakura. You can bring the Bikurim from that tree and you can say the Psukim. Now the issue with this is you have to say very clearly that it's from your land. Your tree has been stealing. You shouldn't be able to say the Psukim. So how can you bring the Bikurim and say the Psukim with that tree? Because, of, because this is one of the conditions that Yeshua 
bequeathed the land to Yisrael. So again, this is a very interesting, that no, your tree growing in your property is considered fully yours. Now this is again a big discussion, I'm actually want to leave most of it for, for Baba Basra when we get there and it's discussed. But Ula actually holds, no, your tree is a thief, it's not your land, your fruit from your land. So therefore you actually can't bring the Bikurim. This Rabbi Yochman seems to argue and say that you can. Um, and that's why, and but this would be an addition, because it's one of these conditions, that Yeshua gave Eretz Yisrael the land, that it's still considered your tree and your fruit, even though it's drawing nutrients from your neighbor, and it would be yours. Now, interesting, Rashi points out, we've been learning now that the ten conditions is a brysa. And now this is Rabbi Yochanan. He's an Amora. So actually, this this Rashi points out, um, um, Matnisa have a The mission is a brisa, the Tanya Sorva too law, because it mentions ten and no more. Where Biochan Amoirohu and Rebiochan's and Amoira Kashle Manisa, and therefore the Bryce is a challenge on Rebiochan. So we actually thought this was right. There were actually eleven, because look, Rebiochan gives another one. It's actually almost the reverse. It's saying, Oh, there are only ten. Rebiochan wants to say that there's an eleventh, he's wrong. And therefore you'd have to go like the other opinion in uh, Baba Basra, that you actually, that your tree is a, you can't bring the Bikurim on a tree that's too near, within 16 Amos of your friend's thing, because this is a price, and this is Rabbi Yochan, which defeats the Rabbi Yochan. There's a whole other discussion, I don't want to go into it now. This that we say, Amorayim don't argue with Tanoi, is this that they're not allowed to? Somehow Rebbe and his base din or something like that made a rule that no one past that can argue on a price, or is it that they just don't because theoretically their main role is to explain the Mishnahs and the Brysos not to come and challenge them. Um, but so, so here Rashid implies that he wouldn't. It's a rejection of Rabbi Yochan. He could never have a different different opinion to the Brysa. I mean, very interesting enough, they'll bring another Brysa to support their opinion or they'll read into the Brysa to support their opinion. Thank you. Um, but um, but either way, this is a challenge on Rabbi Yochanan, who brings an 11th when the Bryce has said the, the only 10. So he says, No, Elaman Tana Asora Tanoim Shehisne Yoshua. No, rather, who's the one who taught this Bryce of the 10 conditions that Yoshua bequeathed the land? Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, who it's actually Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. I think what we're saying is it's not a brysa, it's an individual opinion. It's, it's Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi's opinion. Rabbi Yochanan's allowed to argue on Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, and therefore there could actually be more. And now you can discuss so all the, the extra cases we gave. To, it wasn't a brysa that taught 10, and now there were other to know him who said, no, it was Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi who gathered 10 together. So maybe he only gave the, the ones that weren't well known. Maybe he didn't, he gathered the anonymous ones, but not the ones that had a uh, ton attached to them, like the Rebbe Shmuel, Benosha, Rebbe Yosem, and Broika. But you don't have as many, there are no difficulties now that we've said it's Rebbe Shua ben Levi, because Rebbe Yosem can easily argue on him. Rav Gavir, Mibaykatil, Masnilo, Beheja, Rebbe Tanchon, Bereb Rainus, Omu Mishun Zakanecha, Romana, Rebbe Shua ben Levi, Asor, Tnoim, Hisne, Yoshua. Rav Gavir from Baikseel taught explicitly that it was. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, not a Brysa, and Rabbi Tamkun and Rabbi Bry said in the name of a certain elder, I, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, that there are ten conditions that Yeshua bequeathed, bequeathed the land to Yisrael. And therefore we see, again, very clearly that it's not a Brysa, it's Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Okay, now once we mentioned 
these ten conditions, the Torah Takonas, Tikkun Ezra. Ezra also instituted ten Takonas. Now, interesting, the Torah Chai, I would have thought maybe this just means over his time, Ezra instituted ten main Takonas. Interesting, the Rosh Hash discussed what about the other Takonas that we find Ezra instituted. Ezra made a lot of Takonas. But let's just go with these ten. So the Torah Chaim explains, remember Yoshua took Ben Israel into Eretz Israel for the first time, for the first conquering. Ezra brought Ben Israel up from Golis Babel to Eretz Israel to rebuild the second base of Migdash. So he learned from Yoshua to emulate it and make takonas of ten takonas that will secure the, the land, the, the religious life of the Jews in Eretz Israel or secure society in Eretz Israel. Interesting, we'll see um, Ezra's review uh, um, Yeshua ben Levi's list regarding Yeshua were largely, I feel, to do with society functioning. Ezra's are, seem to be a lot more connected to the religious life, something interesting to think about. But what are they? So first on Shekorim b'mincha b'shabbos, that you lay in at mincha on Shabbos. The reason for that takona seems to be because a lot of people were sitting around Shabbos afternoon, they didn't know how to learn, so they just mess around Shabbos afternoon, so bring them to Shul and let them learn Torah. Remember, a big part of the laning is the learning of the Torah, not just getting through a whole lot of uh, text. Vakoyin um, Vashani, remember they also used to have someone would translate the psukim for everyone so that they could understand what was going on. Yeah, I guess, and a safer Torah would be rare, more rare. Vakoyin Vashani Vachamishi. And they also, he also instituted that you lay in on Monday and Thursday, we'll discuss it in more detail. Vadanin Vashani Vachamishi. And judges have to judge on Monday and Thursday. You must wash your clothes on Thursday for Shabbos. Interesting, there are two different ways of looking at this. One is that it's a mitzvah to make, his takona is that you make sure you have clean clothes for Shabbos. The other one is that no, obviously you can have clean clothes for Shabbos, but make sure to do it on Thursday so that you have time on Shabbos for all your other preparations. Busy day Friday. So he says, so that's that, two ways of looking at that. And there's a mitzvah to eat garlic on Erev Shabbos. We'll, or you, the Takona Ezra that you should eat garlic, we'll see why shortly. When a woman is getting up to bake, she should get up early. This seems to be any day. Any day a woman's baking bread, she must get up early. We'll see in the Gemara. Or a woman should wear an undergarment. That a woman should... We generally say comb her hair before she goes to mikvah. Some say it means shampoo her hair. But we'll discuss it a bit further in the Gemara Bashir. That you allow peddlers, they sell women's jewelry and perfumes, to go between cities. People can't say we don't want you in our town. You have to let them. And they also instituted that a Balkari, someone who's Tome from... Uh, Seminal mission must go to mikveh. We'll see again more about that in the Gomorrah. So the first one we mentioned, They did it because of the people who, again, Rashi says, the unlearned people. Others say that, sorry, that's the Me'iri. That's the unlearned people who sit around doing nothing, and therefore we give um, on Shabbos afternoon. Now they have something to do because they'll go to shul and they'll learn Torah. They'll hear the laning and learn Torah. Um, Rashi says, um, Rashi gave a different reason. Let me just find it quickly. I've forgotten it. Um, 
Um, oh, the shopkeepers who are so busy during the week that they don't get to hear the laning on Monday and Thursday. They've got to get to their shop. They've got to get to work early. They don't have time to hear the laning. So therefore, Mincha Shabbos is a good opportunity for them to get in extra laning and learn extra Torah. Okay, you the second one, Koyrim B'Shani B'Chamishi, that they, you lane on a Monday and a Thursday. That's a very early Takana, as we learned in the Bryce. This is a Pasuk by when B'nai Shro were leaving. It says, They traveled three days in the desert and they didn't find water. This is after they left Egypt. Mime refers to Torah. As the Pasuk says, Whoever's thirsty, go to water. If you look at the context of that Pasuk, it's much clearer that it's referring to Torah. Um, but we see that water, Torah, water refers to Torah. So, Once the Bnei Israel had been going three days in the desert and they didn't learn Torah, they became faint, they became weak. So on the Nevi'im Shebenayim, the Nevi'im in those days stood up. That you read on Shabbos. This would be Shabbos morning later. And you have a break on Sunday. And then you read on Monday. And then you miss, have a break on Tuesday and Wednesday. And you read on Thursday. And then you have a break on Erev Shabbos. Why did they institute this? So that you don't go three days without Torah. So it's a very old takana that you don't, that you lay in on Monday and Thursday. So what do you mean Ezra instituted it? So the answer is, At first they instituted that maybe you give one aliyah, you give one person aliyah and he reads three psukim. Or alternatively, you do, you call up three people, but they each only do one posuk corresponding to Kwanim Levim Yisraelim. Says Asa, who Ezra came along and Tikon, he instituted Tlasagabri by Sorapsuke. Three, that you have three aliyas and minimum of ten psukim. Keneged Asora Batlanim corresponding to the ten Batlanim. Asora Batlanim is people who were employed by the town to, um, to be available for minion. You want to have ten people who are at shul on time because it's a, it, it speaks very badly about Hashem comes to shul at davening time and there aren't ten people, so the towns would employ asara batlanim. Some actually learn that it was to do with the makeup of the town, like what's it, three dayonim, and I don't remember the other roles, but asara batlanim were specific roles. But again, there are people employed by the town for religious. Uh, the, the, the local collar that's that's uh, paid for by the town that's the uh, the asora batlonim but that's um, that's why they temsukim corresponding to the asora batlonim but that's what Ezra instituted temsukim now just very interesting so what does it mean the Nevim in those days if if we're talking about when they left Egypt Moshe Moshe was around no one would dare make a takana yeah. when Moshe was around so that's why many learn that it was either Moshe who made the Takana that's what I always remember learning that it was Moshe who made the Takana um, others learned that no it was in the generation following Moshe they realized what had happened there another question I'll let you think about is they hadn't been given the Torah yet so how were Bnei Israel growing weak from not learning Torah when they hadn't been given the Torah yet because this was all again three days straight after they left of the of Yetzirah Mitzrayim Okay, let's go on to the third one that we mentioned. The Donim Mashani Bechamishi, Beisdin must judge on Monday and Thursday. Because that's when people are more likely to be in time because they've come to hear the Torah laning. 
So again, a lot of nowadays everyone lives in one area, most people, but in those days there were lots of outskirts and people didn't necessarily just come into town. Tostos Ashi says, but wait. He says, but before Tachonis, Ezra Basedin used to sit every day. And therefore you're saying that Ezra is actually not increasing with his Tachonis, he's decreasing. It doesn't make sense that Ezra would come along and say, no, you don't sit every day, you only sit on Monday and Thursday. Why not leave it as you sit every day? So Rabbeinu Tam says no, because originally they would sit every day, but it would be in the main cities. Ezra came along and instituted that every single city has to have a based in that sits on a Monday and a Thursday. Pardon? Didn't they come to the, to the market on Mondays and Thursdays, Thursdays to get the food for shovels and I, have, for the I have heard that, but we haven't well, seen that haven't yet. Seen the rent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, the, I mean, it very well could be another midrash or other sources for it. Uh, maybe that would answer why not have the laning on Monday and Wednesday, or Tuesday and, or Tuesday and Thursday, you know, why on Monday and Wednesday? So maybe you need another reason like that. And it makes sense because on the shows on Thursday, they're all coming to the market, the shop owners can't go listen to the laning. But then you still have that problem how we've learned. Yeah, yeah. Okay, He instituted that you wash your clothes on Thursday for Shabbos out of covered Shabbos. Let's show you this, the first one. Why would they eat Kaholik on air? Why did he institute? Because of a na. And this, um, basically, it's Tamidei Chachomim would have a na on, that's Tashmish on Friday night, that was their mitzvah. And the reason is obviously Tamidei Chachamim are very busy, they're staying up late learning during the week. So Friday night, Shabbos is a time of Tanuk, spiritual enjoyment. That's the mitzvah of Onik Shabbos is not spiritual, physical enjoyment, enjoying nice food. And therefore it's a very appropriate time for Tashmish. And we're going to say that, God, we're going to bring out that garlic increases zera. So it's a good time, I mean, to help their wives fall pregnant, therefore um, you make sure that they, that therefore he instituted that you garlic. So for sure, you in Chumba Erev Shabbos, Mishumana, he instituted that they eat garlic on Erev Shabbos because of Allah. They'll see as it's written, Asher Piryo Yitain Be'ito, who will bear fruit in the right time. For Amrav Yehuda, Be'itaim Rav Nachman, Rav Yehuda said, and some said it was Rav Nachman, Be'itaim Rav Kahana, Be'itaim Rav Yochanan, some said it was Rav Kahana, some said it was Rav Yochanan. Zeh Hamashamish Mitosam Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos. That's referring to someone who's has Tashmish from Shabbat on Friday nights. Ton Rabbonin, and the, we learned in the Bible, Hamishat Barim Ner Moj Beshum, they said there are five, uh, five things about garlic. Masbia, it satiates. Mashchim, it warms the person. Matzil, ponim, it causes the face to glow. Or Marbezer, it increases zera. Vahahoyre kinim, shebenei me'ayim, it destroys her lives, destroys things in the stomach that shouldn't be there. V'yeish oibri machnis avo moitziakina, and some say it even increases love and decreases jealousy. Not sure what this last one's referring to. The other seem to be almost physical things, and this seems to be more emotional. Not sure what happens there. Um, okay. Maybe I mean maybe that triggers some sort of her hormonal response. That's why it also is my bizarre, but I don't know. And we should, okay, the seventh one, we said that a woman should get up early when she's baking. So that there's bread ready for the anim. And Oni's going to go to her house. And he's going to knock on the door and say, can I have some food? And I was going to say, I'm really sorry, the bread's in the oven. Come back later. 
is going to be very, very difficult for the Aniyim. So what do you do? No, you Israel instituted that when they bake in, they have to bake early in the morning, so that if Ani comes, he's, the food's ready and he doesn't have to come back later or anything like that. Uh, so a woman must wear undergarments because of modesty. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how, how this. Maybe it's harder to have tashmish when you're wearing undergarments. I don't know why, how this helps sneers. But that's what uh, the Gemara says. He said that a woman should comb her hair. Rashi learns this, comb her hair before she goes to mikvah. But wait, that's a da'oraisa requirement for a woman to comb her hair before she goes to mikvah. Not a takonis ezra. Why? Tatanya, as we learned in a Mishnah. He must wash his flesh. When a person is going to mikvah, he must wash his flesh in water. And that tells us he's not allowed to have any any interposition anything between a chatzitza between his flesh and water. Espesoro, and when it says so that's besoro. Espesoro is es hatofel lebisro, the s that is secondary to his flesh. So my nihu, what is that referring to? Say are the hair. He's not allowed to even have a chatzitza in his hair. So that's why if your hair is knotty, then there's chatzitzas, because the water can't get to every part of the hair. There's a big discussion. We know doraisa, it's only if most of your body has a chatzitza, and you don't want it. So some actually learn that the hair is a separate calculation. So if your hair is very knotty, then you could say most of your hair is a, has a chatzitza, and that would be a problem because it's measured independently. Um, I mean, this is a halacha regarding men and women going to the mikvah, so it would be very... I mean, Ezra instituted it for women, if you notice. But the requirement of going to mikvah to purify a person, is, especially if they're going to eat kochim and be going to the base of mikvah, so that's for men and women. Okay. Um, but, so, so, but our question is, it seems that Ezra instituted combing one's hair where it seems to be a Doraisa requirement. So now, Omri Doraisa li'iyuna e'idil mimiktak. Doraisa, you just have to look at your hair and check whether it's knotted. Inami, mos midi, or maybe there's just something, some dirt in it. Mishum chatzitza, because you're concerned about chatzitza. So, ihu tiken chafifa, and Ezra came along and instituted that. No, you have to comb it. So that's, that's the institution. Really, you just have to look at your hair. Oh, it doesn't look like I've got any knots. I can go straight to Mikvah. As you instituted, that woman have to comb their hair. Some learn it as shampooing. And nowadays, hafif is almost used as a generic term for the preparations that a woman has to do before she goes to Mikvah. Okay. V'shehoyu roichlein mahzirin ba'ayoros mishum takshitei noshim k'deishelo yizganu al balehem. The next one, they instituted that rochlim are allowed to go between the towns, and this is so that their jewelry and stuff, so that women don't become uh, um, degraded in their husband's eyes. A woman must have jewelry and perfume and stuff available, and that's what the peddlers do, so that they can be. Um, degraded by their husband. Yeah. So here it's for the woman. Uh, Ezra instituted going to Mikvah for a Valkyrie. But it's Doraisa that uh, Valkyrie has to go to Mikvah. Dilsiva is written. A man who has a Shivkat Zera, he must wash in water his flesh. He must go to Mikvah. So the moral answer is no. Doraisa, who literally Doraisa, he only has to go to Mikvah if he's going to be handling or eating Truma or Kodjim. Says, I, if you're not, that's all, um, we don't worry because we don't handle Taharas. 
says, Asa, who? Tikein afilu de divrei Torah. Ezra came along and instituted even for divrei Torah. It's interesting, just I forgot to mention, if you notice on the list of the ten things, they all say, we started off by saying there were ten takonos tikein Ezra, and the only one that says, and by the last one, the tenth one, v'tikein tefillah l'balekeri, and he instituted tefillah for balekeri. Um, we don't worry about that um, nowadays, and this, if you just look at the top tosses of the page, we pass and like Rebbe Yehuda ben Beseira that Dvar Torah are not susceptible to Tuma, and he brings the Perik to Omer Bereshis Hagez of Amisha Meisu, and I eat the Noig Alma Ketlasa Sabe. Nowadays we Noig like the three elders mentioned there, and then so what happened? Seems that. At a later date, Rabbi Yudah ben Basayra cancelled this takana of Ezra that you can't learn Torah unless you go to Mikvah. We see here he's changing that and saying that you can learn Torah. Um, Rabbi Yudah ben Basayra came and changed that, that you can learn Torah. So, so maybe they argue and say this wasn't a takana of Ezra. And this is all, he's asserting that it's a takana of Ezra, this price, but maybe Rabbi Yudah ben Basayra, he's another Tana, he can argue and say that that's not a takana of Ezra. Inam, alternatively, hisna shekol misheroitza levatel yivatel, debuchi agabna mutar, or maybe part of Ezra's takana is that, he said if someone sees it necessary, they can cancel this. And Rabbi he built into the... He didn't say, I'm making a takana that you have to go to mikvah before Torah. He said, I'm making a takana that you have to go to mikvah before learning Torah. And if someone, if the sages of later generations see that it's, they, they can cancel it if they want. I built into the sages. Pardon? Yeah. Alternatively, it didn't spread throughout Rav Yisrael. Remember, we saw the other day that a gezerah that doesn't spread, that the tzibur can't hold on, that doesn't spread throughout a majority of Bnei Israel, doesn't have this binding strength, and later generations can come and ban it. And then he brings other examples. I think let's leave it here in this Tosfos, but interesting, he brings another example we found similar. You know, um, I don't remember if you mentioned Pasakum or Shemen, that a later Beijing came, and then he asked another challenge, but that would be three possible answers how Rabbi Yehuda ben Basayra could ignore this Takon of Ezra. Um, okay, we've mentioned ten Takonas of Yoshua, ten Takonas of Ezra, and now Asorat Vorim Nehmer Yerushalayim. There were ten things said about Yerushalayim. First one, is cholutbo. A house is not cholut. What does that refer to? That refer to is this, we know that if you buy a field or a house in an open city, the person who sold it can redeem it. And when Yovel come, it reverts back to its original owner. If it's a walled city, the seller only has one year to redeem it. And if he doesn't redeem it, it remains the new owners forever. There's no Yovel. Um, so Jerusalem doesn't have these dinim of Bais Cholot, it has the din of an open city. The Gemara will go through all the sources for this, why it doesn't have the same din as a walled city anywhere else in Eretz Israel. Yerushalayim would not have to bring an Egla Rufa. If they're the closest town to the unidentified murder, you don't make the sages, elders of Jerusalem, of Yerushalaym bring the Egla Rufa. Yeah, and I'm not sure, does that mean you, they, there's no Egla Rufa brought? 
Und das ist ja gerade das second closest city. The Einonas is Irani Dachas. It can't be made in Irani Dachas. Remember, that's if a majority of the residents of the city start serving up Bodhisattva. You burn it, you destroy it, and you leave it uh, ruined forever. So Jerusalem doesn't have that aloha. It can't become Tommy through Nagoim. I'm not sure if that's saying it cannot get Tsaras, or if you do see Tsaras in Jerusalem, uh, on a building in Jerusalem, it doesn't count as Tsaras. Um, you're not allowed to have these poles or balconies overhanging into, overhanging. Remember, they built, the houses are built right up to the roads. So they would sometimes have beams protruding or a balcony on a second story over. You're not allowed to have that in Yerushalayim. We'll see why. The ain't oisim bo ashpos. You don't make rubbish heaps in Yerushalayim. The ain't oisim bo kivshonos. You don't make kilns in Yerushalayim. The ain't oisim bo ganos or pardosios. Chutz mi ganos vritin shahoyumi yamois nevim arishonim. You're not allowed to make gardens or orchards in Yerushalayim except for the gardens. The, the Ginos Vridin, Rashi learns that uh, that's the name of that garden, the Rose Garden. That's the only one you're allowed, and that's where they would grow a certain ingredient. Um, they would grow the ingredient for the Ketores, the, the ingredient called Kipas Hayardain was grown in this uh, Ginas Vridin, this, uh, this garden. So that's the only one that's allowed. Again, we'll see why not. Sure. You're not allowed to raise chickens. Remember, we saw that in our mission in Yerushalayim. And you don't leave a mace overnight. Why is a house not... Why is it not treated like a regular walled city? That if a house is sold, it becomes cholot, it becomes set with the new owner. Um... The home, which he has in a walled city, will be forever to the one who bought it for all generations. Because so far, Jerusalem wasn't split amongst the tribes. It was never really his to sell. Therefore, when he sells it, it doesn't count as a permanent sale and it always reverts in the Yovel year. But we actually saw, I'm trying to think where, that... Um, let me see if it's... Um, I don't, um, I'm trying to think where we saw it, but that uh, a person should um, that um, that when people come from the Oire Regalim, you have to let them stay in your house. You can't insist that they pay rent. Yeah. We did see that. I don't, I don't remember where, but that would be uh, part of this halacha. Yeah. Says um, then we said Ve'eno meviyah egla rufa doesn't bring an egla rufa. Dirsiv ki motzel chalal ba'adama asher Hashem elokecha noisein lechol noisein loch lerishto. When you find a halal in the earth, which Hashem has given you to inherit. Again, Yerushalayim wasn't divided amongst the tribes. A lot of these are going to be, it depends on land that belongs to a specific tribe. If this Tana holds that Yerushalayim doesn't have that status, it belongs to all the tribes. There is another Tana who holds it's given to Yehuda and Yenyamin. But this Tana holds it's not. It wasn't given to anyone. It's for the whole of Israel. So all these halachas that depend on your land which you inherit won't apply in Yerushalayim. And that we've seen. Um, it's not cholut. 
You don't bring the egg la rufa. It can't be an your city. It's not your city because it's not divided amongst the tribes. The land that you inherit. Jerusalem isn't split amongst the shvatim. And we don't, um, you don't let these overhangs be built in the houses of Yerushalayim, our balconies or these poles, because of Tumah. And, and secondly, you don't want them to harm the Oile Regolim. When the Oile Regolim, it gets very crowded and people might get pushed into these poles or balconies. And the other problem with the balconies is if there's Tuma under one side of the balcony, transmit Jerusalem, everyone's going to the base. I mean, that's all the time. And there's Kodshim, there's, everyone's eating their Korbanos in Jerusalem. You've got to be very careful with Tuma, so that's why you're not allowed to have these balconies or sticks into the land. Um, you're not allowed to have rubbish heaps because of shkotsim. Insects, these, uh, the shmoina shkotsim, lots of insects live in rubbish heaps and stuff, and if they die, they, and they, one of the shmoina shkotsim, they can transmit tumors. So it's a problem of tumor. Why aren't you allowed to make kilns? Mishum kutra, because of the smoke. And as she says, it's degrading to Jerusalem to have blackened walls from the smoke of kilns. You want it to look pretty and clean and nice, so therefore you don't have this. mishum sircha. And we don't make gardens or orchards. That's because of sircha. Sircha generally means rotting or bad smell. So Rashi explains, When you're pruning your garden or you have dead leaves or plants, you pick them and you throw them outside and they start to rot and decay. Yeah. So that's not nice for Jerusalem. Or Or what the, there's another problem is when you fertilize the garden. It smells uh, bad, yeah. and you don't want these bad smells around Jerusalem. You don't raise pigs in it. Sorry, chickens, because of kodshim. As we said, chickens could uh, move around, uh, chickens could pluck at a dead sheretz, and, uh, and if it's a tiny piece, uh, barley size, it can transmit tumor, so we don't allow chickens in Jerusalem. You don't leave a mace overnight. Gemara, that's a tradition. Big, um, what does it mean, tradition? What does it mean, why not? But it seems to almost be, we don't have a good... Uh, Rashi says, It's a Masoiris. And therefore, there's no reason. So obviously, when Rashi says there's no reason, you're going to have everyone looking for the reason. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a challenge. When Rashi says, I don't know, or there's no reason, or I'm not an explanation. I was looking to see the Ashkel had a reason. I mean, I see here the note in the Gemara. It says, Noso. If you look in the Zohar of Noso, you'll see a reason. So, But in Jerusalem, it seems... I mean, it's interesting, because generally, you're not allowed to leave a mate unnecessarily anyway. Yeah. But I think... Uh, so, so simply, the leniency would be that generally... Um, you are allowed to leave it where it's for covered hamais. So, for example, if you have the, if someone dies in the afternoon and you have the funeral, then there are not many people who will hear about it and go to the maze. Whereas if you put it off to, till tomorrow, many more people will hear about it. It will be a much bigger funeral and it will be much more covered hamais. Or his family can get from uh, nearby towns or overseas if you do it a day later. So we generally lenient and allow you to delay a, 
funeral so that the person can be buried with more covered and dignity, but it seems not in Yerushalayim. And I, I think, as far as I remember, they still hold for this today. I don't know if it's in the whole yeah, I remember yeah. when I was staying at my cousins, I remember them dashing out at 10 p.m. to a funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it can be any night. Pardon? Anytime they don't have a funeral, that's not Shabbos. Yeah. And then what? Do they take the mace outside of Yerushalayim to I keep it there? I don't know that if it's like 10 minutes before Shabbos, the funeral is done in 10 yeah. minutes. Okay, aim the garden in Chazirim, but call Mokom. You're not allowed to raise pigs anywhere. Now remind me before we finish this to come back to Tosos that you're not allowed to raise pigs anywhere. But other Tonner Abonid, why not? Kasherotsu. This is going back on our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said you're not allowed to have pigs anywhere. It says Tonner Abonid, Kasherotsu. When there was a civil war between the two brothers, Hurkanus and Aristobulus. One, Hurkunus was inside Jerusalem and Aristobulus was laying siege outside Jerusalem. This is interesting. This is, uh, I'll just give you the family tree because it's interesting. So you have Hurkunus and Aristobulus, the two brothers, who are the sons of Alexandra and I think, I think you pronounce it Salome Yanai. And they're the sons of Yochanan Hurkunus, who's the son of Shimon, who's the son of Matisyahu. So it's a few generations after the Hanukkah story. And obviously, after Alexander Yanai died, his wife Salome became the new ruler. And when she died, you would expect it to go to Hurkunus, the older son. And Aristobulus started a civil war he didn't want that he felt. So that's the siege. And sadly, it led to they each kind of tried to get Rome to help them. So Rome came in and lay siege to Jerusalem, and that was the start of the Roman occupation of Eretz Israel. This, this event. It's quite a few years before the destruction, so I don't think this is what destroyed the destruction, because the, the Hashmonaim or dynasty finished, I think, I think about a hundred years before the destruction of the temple. So we're dealing at about a hundred years before that at least. Well, if I can remember correctly the history, this is when they, they invited the Romans in and the Romans stayed. Yeah, yeah, no, so this is, this is the start of the Roman occupation yeah, of, of uh, Yehuda. So so and now so it explains the story a bit more detail. Hurkanus may be fine by Astubus Mibuchutz, Hurkanus was inside the city, Astubus was laying siege outside of a whole yom show you mashalshin nohem, but kupa dinorim bahoyu mali nohem to meet him. Every day they would lower a basket full of dinorim and they would put in the tomit, the korban necessary for the tomit. There was someone, there was an elder there who knew Chokma Yavonis. Omar Lahem and he said to them, Calls man sha oiskim ba avoida. Every day that we are dealing every day that they dealing in that they continue the temple service we don't we'll never they'll never be given over to us we'll never be able to conquer them as long as they continue the, to meet him the temple service will never be able to conquer them they lowered the basket full of dinarim and they put in a pig into the basket instead of the lamb for the tomit when the basket was lifted up halfway up the wall the, the pig stuck its its hooves into the wall when he's done that, Eretz Yisrael Arba Meas Parsha, Arba Meas Parsha, Eretz Yisrael shook 400 Parsha, 
At that time they said, Cursed is the man who raises pigs. And cursed is the man who teaches his son. And we learn regarding that time. They ended up having to bring the Omer from Ganos Hatrifim, which Ta'alechem, the Bikas Ir Socher, and from I think they used to be able to get it from much closer, and now they had to get it from much further. But it was a very bad uh, and a terrible day. So I just want to mention Tosos. This is a very interesting discussion to go into. Tosos. So he said, um, Amisha said they made this takona at that time that you're not allowed to raise pigs anyway. It still exists today. What that takona? Yeah, I think so. But now Tosos asks a slightly different question. Yeah, I'm not sure the halacha regarding all of these actually. And the imtaymar, Talmud, Laimar, the Asulasos, Schoira, Bechold, Warim, Tameim. The Mesecha, Kedetam, Bebsecha, we learn in Mesecha, she is that you're not allowed to trade with anything that's Tomei. You're not allowed to do business with, it's an Isu, Bein Oisins, Schoira, Benevelis, Betrayfus. So we said, the Orisa, you're not allowed to trade with non-kosher animals. And he brings a few sources. And not only that, it says, if you find in your net a non-kosher or your traps, you happen to find a non-kosher animal. I, you're not allowed to go and try capture non-kosher animals to trade in. Or to you. But if you happen, if it happens, okay, then you can sell it. And we learn it from a Pasuk. And then he brings Torah's Kohanim. That says also, which means that you're not allowed to do business with them. So what's our Mishnah come to say? Because of this event, they banned raising pigs. You're never allowed to be raising, uh, breeding non-kosher animals and trading in them. So he answers very interesting. Now that could be, this that the Torah says you're not allowed to trade. But non-kosher animals could be specifically when it's trading them for when it's trading for food. If you're selling it for the oil or the hearts, and to Jews would use it for oil or the hearts, then it would be permitted. And chaylev, you're allowed to sell um, as long as they don't eat it. So very interesting, that's the distinction that Toysus had made. And then he says, and that's why the Yerushalmi says it's also different with the, with horses and donkeys. Because you're not doing them to eat, you're doing them for work. Um, so that would be an interesting discussion. Again, when does this issue that you're not allowed to trade with non-kosher animals apply? Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good yeah. day.